Welcome back, Rage Nation. Definitely not PR friends. Myself, Pete. He needs to stop, like, fucking getting cute with these kicks. John the Mountain Man Stokes. You're not putting them on my models, motherfucker. Chris the non-tech Asian. Put the tape measure up and get some wages. You, yeah, no, you really frustrated me. You walked away and you came back and your scalp would be thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. I will will share with you my one rage quit story. You know, I'm a robot and I don't have a solo or personality. Eight. This is going to be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We got another Malifaux episode for you. I got Pete back here again. And this time we're going to end up getting into the Ten Thunders, which this will be kind of an interesting one because I don't know anything about the Ten Thunders. So I end up getting myself a Midwest boy and I got Landon Sheehan to help us out with it. So Landon, what's going on, man? Oh, not too much. Just uh, getting in my Vassal games and playing those reps. <laughs> so uh, what state are you out of in the Midwest? I play out of Illinois. Uh, we got a nice little shop called Games Plus. Not quite downtown Chicago, but uh, a couple stops off the train. All right. Well, that's that's cool. Do you got a decent, uh, obviously before all this, do you have a decent meta with a lot of people coming into the shop? Usually we hit, uh, you know, for our tournaments around 8 to 10. There's a little bit of interest dropping off around, uh, you know, the time when the other side was coming off. So we were a little slow then, but third edition picked it back up pretty nicely. Oh, nice. We got you coming on to help us with the 10 Thunders because they're a really interesting faction. And I'm really curious to kind of hear what you have to say about them. Uh, We're going to basically for those that haven't listened to these faction guides before, we're going to get into looking at some of the just general background. What do the keywords do? uh, Some of the versatile models you might want to pick up. And then finally, we'll get into uh, just generally how's the faction play compared to others. So uh, yeah, Landon, let's just start off with the fluff in the background. So what's up with the 10 Thunders? Because I'm not even too sure about their fluff and background. I think they come from a different kingdom or empire of Malifaux. Is yeah, so the Ten Thunders are this very secretive mafia organization out of, uh, I believe they're, they call it the Three Kingdoms, but it's very heavily influenced by, uh, you know, Chinese and Japanese culture. They've got, mm-hmm. the, you know, the ancestors and this uh, you know, underground mob gang. And the whole deal is they came in and sort of infiltrated the other factions early on in the, the lore of second edition, planting their spies and, uh you know, they're this underground sneaky type uh, faction that has their own portal to Malifaux away from the guild. Okay, so they're kind of like, they're they're almost like, uh, like you said, an underground crime syndicate. So they're like doing stuff behind the scenes. I know that there's a ton of like geishas and stuff and, and it just, it just seems like there's just a bunch of just oriental culture, obviously with the 10 Thunders. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see how the fluff plays out on the table. Right. If, uh, if you're looking for the ninjas in our Cowboys, Ninjas, and Zombies game, these, these are the ninjas. So out of all the kind of the backstories and stuff, is there a specific Ten Thunderer story that you really like and enjoy like reading and listening to, about? I really enjoy Jacob Lynch. Um, he is the owner of a casino, 
but he okay. also is the servant to these nefarious dark power known as the hungering darkness. Um, mm-hmm. And so he's got his own sort of uh, sub theme within the faction there of, you know, not only Hep serving the interest of the 10 thunders who paid for his uh, debt to get his casino out of the red, but then also trying to bend to the will of this hungering darkness without being consumed by it. So he's kind of stuck in the middle of uh, rock and a hard place, so to speak. Yeah, when I saw his models, I actually thought he was a Neverborn master. I was like, oh, cool. What's this Neverborn dude? And I'm like, oh, this is Ten Thunders. Yeah, and he actually was the spy in the Neverborn in second edition, but uh, he ended up deciding to break ties with them when the Neverborn started getting a little crazy. Nekama going kill all humans made him take a double take (laughs) being a human himself. (laughs) He's like, hmm, I think we're going to go ahead and not mess with this crazy winged demon lady. Exactly. Well, that's cool, man. That's a cool backstory. Uh, The only... I say the only backstory I've read about 10 Thunders is actually through the Rezzers because I I think Karai used to be part of the 10 Thunders. If I remember right, I think she was like a, uh, I don't know if she was quite a prostitute or a geisha, but she was like dating the Lieutenant governor's like son. And then, uh, yeah, that whole, uh, thing went south. She was never in faction, but, uh, I believe from a, uh, you know, nationality standpoint, she definitely was from the uh, Three Kingdoms. So, yeah, very interesting. And there's a lot of models that look interesting in the faction. So, I think that the the background definitely gives off this kind of mysterious Oriental vibe, which is definitely definitely cool. I think the only thing that I would like to see is some kind of maybe almost like we have Brewmaster for the. Uh, for the bayou, like some kind of brewery themed 10 Thunder would be kind of cool. You know, it's really funny that you brought up Brewmaster because in second edition, he was a 10 Thunders model. Oh, he was? Yeah. Dude, that's sweet. Huh. So we used to have that. Well, that's, that, that would make me sad if I was a 10 Thunder player. Yeah, it would have been cool. And we still have some of his models kind of lingering around in the versatiles like uh, yeah. Tanuki, but... Oh man, the, the Tanuki are, are really fun to play. So that's probably like the extent of my 10 Thunder knowledge is just some of the, you know, not fun stuff I played against. And then when I play Brewmaster and I bring the Tanuki, I'm like, oh, this is, they're cute. They're fun. There you go. All right. Well, let's go ahead and we'll just hop into uh, some of these keywords. And the first thing I always start off with is looking at the versatile models. So looking at 10 Thunders. Uh, what are some of the versatile models that you're like, okay, if I'm just starting 10 Thunders, here are some really solid ones that I like I like to bring. So if I was just starting 10 Thunders and looking at the keyword models, the first thing I would say is pick up a pair of Samurai. Yeah, They do some very cheesy things if you wanted to go that route, but they also are just really solid anchors for a list. If you don't know what you want to do with your nine stones, a Samurai is usually going to be able to take some hits, not die, and then do some damage back. They're not that slow. So they, they round out things pretty well. Well, I mean, there's a couple of things they add to them to help mitigate that because you can just charge to move six instead of four. So exactly. they do have some, some way to get up there. Yeah, so they're not that much slower on average than another model. And since they can get some focus out as a bonus action, they're usually going to get good value every game. Yeah, and their, their Gatling gun is ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, that and another upgrade we'll probably end up talking about that uh, (laughs) make them a really important option to just kind of go sideways when you're not sure what to do. 
Yeah, I know that there's there's not a lot of Ten Thunder stuff that I'm familiar with, but I definitely know people like to you know bitch and complain about the Samurai. I know that for sure. As a Ten Thunders player, I can let you know that that is for good reason that they do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, what are some other ones that you're like, hey, that's pretty good too? Yeah, so the next one that I would probably say, I'm not a huge fan of Fuhatsu, but I know there's lots of people who I swear by him, and there's a, there's a handful of crews where he's quite good. He's, again, got that big Gatling gun. He's mm-hmm. ruthless, so there's a couple of different crews you just like ruthless into. And again, he's tanky enough that he's probably not getting taken off the board too quickly, so you can get some consistent value out of him. Some yeah. of the issues I have with him are that he, in order to go to 11, needs a a specific context and some support models. And when we get to the other keywords, I'll point out where I like him and where I don't. But uh, he overall, most people will tell you Fuhatsu is good. So I can't say he's not. Yeah. And I think another versatile model that I really like is looking at the Dawn Serpent. I think that's a pretty solid model when I've seen it used really well. I don't think there's anything wrong with the Dawn Serpent per se, but he doesn't tend to make a lot of my lists. Like, he's totally okay. solid, and he'll fill out crews for you. Like, he, he's fast, and he'll go scheme. But once you collect a bit more of the faction, I think he's not quite as necessary. Yeah, I think that the way I've seen him used is with, uh, what's the master that makes you discard all your cards? That would be Yoko, probably. Yes, yeah. But that so, also fits Masaki to a degree. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the Dawn Serpent just make that even more of a pain in the butt. Gotcha, with Counterspell making the, that extra hand pressure. Yeah. And then just being able to, uh, you know, get in there and be a beater. Yeah. And then the last one that I see quite a bit from a lot of, uh, a lot of 10 Thunders player is the, uh, the one, the one the one, oh, the Wanudo. How could I have forgotten about the Wanudo? Yes. It is an excellent point machine. Like it is a very efficient hire. I actually just took one in my last game. And in ley lines, you will not find another best friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's move seven. I believe um, unimpeded one, as well. Yeah, and it can you know attack friends or enemies to put out burning and get some extra distance on its movement. So it uh, it definitely has some good tricks. It's very squishy though, so be careful with it. But it gets the job done. It scores your points. Yeah, it, and it, it puts out a lot of TN tests, so it makes your opponent kind of burn some cards if they if you go through a bunch of their models. So that's good too. Yeah. Uh, any other kind of like My other last random plug ones for there would probably be Lone Swordsman. I think he's a pretty good addition in a lot of bases where you'll need the Ruthless. He does good damage again. He has the theme going on that all of our versatile models seem to have where he's difficult to put down. He's got armor one, hard to kill. And then he's just got a couple of different ways to move around. And he also makes pass tokens, which can be really good sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we might get into it a little bit, but I'm sure there's a couple of crews that can do something with pass tokens too. Yeah. Besides the obvious, just using them. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, yeah, they're definitely just flexible, versatile models, models, aren't they? Yeah, there are a couple duds, but, you know, I know some people get use out of the Obsidian statue. The Ten Thunders brother, I really want to like, but it's hard to find a context for him. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, overall, I would say we have one of the better selections. So we'll go ahead and get into our first keyword. And once again, this is a master I really don't have a lot of knowledge about. But the first one we're going to start with is Asami and the Oni. So uh, what is Asami and the Oni wanting to do? I think, is this the summoner in the faction? This is the summoner in the faction. So Asami is going to be essentially vomiting out D6 
demons from the back of her head onto the battlefield while you're playing. And if Gross. that doesn't sound metal, I don't know what does. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, generally speaking, her summons, unlike a lot of other summoners, aren't going to be lasting to turn five if you pop one out turn one. Her keyword mechanic is that they have uh, flicker tokens. So they've okay. got this ability from beyond. Uh, before performing a doodle, they can gain this flicker token. And once they get three of them, uh, they die at the end of their activation. And when hmm. uh, Asami is summoning in models with, they gain two flicker tokens and attach an upgrade that gives them another one at the end of their turn. So oh, okay. that might sound like they're really ephemeral here. But the other thing that Asami and her totem are going to be doing is pulling these flicker tokens off so that things can stay around longer. Yeah, that makes sense. A lot of that's going to be trying to manage these flicker tokens, weighing that risk-reward off of spending them to get advantages, but then also getting closer to death. Well, I'm sure there's times where you actually just have to weigh, and sometimes you're probably like, you want to know, I realize I'm going to die because I'm putting you know that third flicker token on, but sometimes you're like, but that's okay because I'm the the trade-off is in my favor. Absolutely. And one of the hardest decisions we'll have to make is that one of the ways they remove flicker tokens is by killing models. So sometimes you'll just look at it and go, I can probably kill it if I take the flicker token. Do I take it? Yeah. Do I not take it? And so that if you want to take those interesting risk rewards and gambles, this is definitely a good keyword for it. Well, cool. So what are some of the ways that they're taking the flicker tokens off besides just killing them? So Asami has an action on her, the back of her card, a tactical action that you can copy with Terracotta Warrior. So there's another keyword versatile that we didn't talk about very much, but if you're playing Asami, worth a look. Yeah. Um, it is called a Mother's Love, and for a four, you get to take a flicker token off of a friendly Oni and give it a focus. So essentially, you're getting a double positive to attack and damage if you use your focus and your flicker. So this is definitely one that you're throwing on your big beefy models uh, as soon as they get flicker tokens. Okay, well, these, I mean, I'm kind of now just looking through the cards and uh, yeah, this is kind of like the, it's like the Oriental demon faction, it looks like. <laughs> exactly. You've got, uh, you know, these spider demons, you've got these like Japanese goblin type looking things with paper lanterns. And then, of course, you've got the totem, who's this blue squatty demon with horns. And he he's the cool thing about him is when Asami goes down, he gets powered up and he beats face. So he start goes from being this like squat, unassuming little gremlin thing to being a killing machine. OK, well, let me ask you this then, Landon, how is so obviously you're summoning and you're trying to, you know, win the game, but. What are you doing with your summon models? What are what are some of the strengths of the uh, the the different models you can bring in this crew? So the two main things you're going to summon with Asami are going to be her Obsidian Oni, which uh, people will talk about being these fire bombs, where you summon them into the middle of the enemy crew or as close as possible as you can get them. And then you just have them sit there, and when they die, they explode, doing a bunch of damage and passing out burning. So there's two two basic patterns on that. You either are going to be uh, giving him a flicker as soon as he activates so that he'll get to pump out as much damage as possible, then die from having too many tokens and explode. Mm -hmm. Or you'll leave him in your opponent's face to be a nuisance, make them have to walk around him, and just use him as kind of like a roadblock where if they actually bother to kill him, well, then he explodes on them and they feel bad. The other model that I tend to summon a lot would be 
either the Katashiro or the Tengu, depending on how good my cards are or which one I just kind of have in hand. One's a four-stone model, one's a five-stone model. So if I have the higher card, I'll take the Katashiro. If I have the lower card, I'll take the Tengu. And these are just kind of your scheme runners. The uh, Katashiro can place. It's kind of like a leap, so you can uh, pick them up off the board, put them down, and kind of ignore terrain to try and get that third AP uh, to just get around corners and sticky spots, put your steam markers down. And then the Tengu flies, so he does the same thing, just uh, and then has an interact on a bonus action. So it, it kind of seems like me that you're almost like using the uh, the Jorugumo to like tie people up, and then you get these other scheme runners to go out and just you know put out schemes maybe flip different uh, or collect different strat markers or different things like that. Yeah, you're going to primarily be trying to jam things up with your uh, Amonozako, your uh, uh, Jurugumo, and your Obsidian Oni, and then just trying to walk around them and do tricksy things with your Tengu and your Katashiro. Because the cool thing okay. about the Tengu is their bonus action interact can target uh, any of your models that are close enough. So even if you summon one in, normally a model can't interact. But if you summon in the Tengu and then have him bonus action another model that has or that wasn't summoned this turn, you can actually interact with your model's activation that's summoned. So oh, wow. It's a little trick to get around that. Yeah, that's nice, because usually that's the problem with summoning is you get to, like, turn five, and it's like, well, I can't summon anything this turn because they're not going to get me any points anyways. So, that man, that's a really interesting crew. Uh, how do you think that ranks up... A, against other summoners like are they a pretty strong summoning crew or are they kind of like on it's the... a very different summoning crew um yeah. in that it's going to play significantly different from say like a, a dashel from guild right dashel is going to be making these summons and trying to build up this overwhelming ap advantage for the end of the game but her summons are much more of a temporary put your opponent in the you know, give them some stress earlier on and then try and uh, win the game later with efficiency from the models you brought in that are doing the scheming otherwise. Yeah. So I would, I would say she's different, but I like her summoning style more than other summoners. I, I don't generally like to play summoners, but I like Asami. So if you're otherwise turned off by the idea of summoners, you know, give Asami a second shot. She's different enough. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Well, um, I, I like it when you have a, a faction and your crew does something but they do it differently uh so that just really appeals to me like i'm playing neverborn at the moment and just dreamer does a lot of the same things where it's like he summons but he does it differently and then he does his thing on top of it so yeah i, I love factions that do that we'll go ahead and get into i guess i i I'm sensing since you like the background, you probably like playing this guy a lot. So we'll talk about Jacob Lynch and the Honeypot crew. So is, is this one of your favorite keywords you like to play? It's definitely one of my favorite keywords, though he doesn't see quite as much table time as I'd like. Okay. Um, I played him a lot in GG0, uh, Gaining Ground Zero, which was the first set of uh, schemes and strategies. Um, just because those were the models I owned at the time. And uh, sure. you know he's cool and he's strong. And does a couple of unique things that other crews in the faction can't really replicate. But right now, I don't think his power level is quite up there on top with the other uh, kings of the faction. But he certainly mm -hmm. is playable, is fun to play, and has his own niches where he can fill where he's really good. Okay, so what's he doing when he's on the table? So it's hard to talk about Lynch without also <laughs> talking about his totem, the Hungering Darkness. Okay. Um, 
So the, the basic idea is that their shared sort of mechanic they've got throughout the crew is giving brilliance tokens to your opponent, which then Lynch uses to nuke you and summon models, and Huggy okay. uses to get plus flips to uh, you know obey you or take attacks on you or slow you and heal himself as he consumes the brilliance he's planted inside of you. Holy, holy crap, the totem has a, an obey yes, built-in mask. That is why Jacob Lynch and crew are so powerful and unique within the faction, is that they have access to obey that's suited, and you can get plus flips to the duel incredibly reliably. Wow. Uh, and in addition to it being a suited obey, it's also got a trigger baked in there to give out brilliance tokens. So you can give out uh, one to two brilliance tokens every time you obey something, which both your friendly group models use and the enemy models use. No, oh, that's cool, man. So that's definitely a good part of why he's so powerful. Lynch, he hands out a lot of brilliance tokens on his activation and then has this powerful ability called Succumb to Darkness. This is how he summons, but also how he nukes things. So it's a, a two-hit combo right there. Yeah, uh, He does damage to you based on the number of brilliance tokens he's, you have uh, to a maximum of five damage, which is you know, usually a severe for most models. And there's yeah. no damage flip on that either, so if you don't black joker the attack, you're good. <laughs> and then he can summon a, uh, a model if you die uh, based on the cost of the model versus the number of brilliance tokens you had when you died. So, I mean, I don't know, man. To me, it almost seems like that's that's almost just like you know, your dessert, like it, it seems like that's nice if that happens, but how often is that actually happening on the table? So he's got a three stone model, which means it's pretty reliable that you're getting okay. a tiny model out of it once or twice a game. Um, the larger models, the illuminated, which is his larger minion and the beckoner, you could sometimes get a beckoner, but often you want the depleted instead, the depleted yeah. three stone model. Because um, I often tend to hire the Beckoners instead, so okay. Um, to get a bit, so more it's almost it's almost like like I said, it's just like you're going to get a little out of it, but you're not going to summon one of your huge seven stone models off of absolutely. That. The the big reason you're taking this action is for the damage. The model's nice; it's the cherry on top. Yeah, that that's almost kind of like the damage that uh, Hamlin can do with all his blight floating around, and he can just you know, if you have a ton of blight on you, he can just like ping you for five. Exactly. It's a very similar idea, except unlike Hamlin, we have a hard ceiling on ours. All right. Well, what? so besides Jacob Lynch, what are what's the rest of his crew trying to do? So the rest of his crew is either going to be putting out brilliance, consuming brilliance, or kind of keeping you on lockdown. So uh, some of the important models to discuss. We couldn't discuss Jacob Lynch without discussing Mr. Tannen, who is his uh, pit boss. He's the one who helps make sure the casino's profitable, nobody's cheating. <laughs> and he also happens to be a, a Neverborn Woe, who was uh, sent there to keep an eye on him back when he was spying for the faction. But at the end of the day, he ended up breaking off ties at the same time Lynch did uh, hmm. to continue serving the Hungering Darkness. Interesting. Um, but the big reason why he comes in a lot is he's got this aura of called Boring Conversation, where he essentially talks your ear off and... Uh, you're so bored or high off of brilliance that you just don't take actions during your turn. Um. <laughs> so um, it's kind of funny because I get this vibe from Mr. Tan and he almost gives me like a Craig Shipman vibe where he's like, howdy friend. He's like, let me, let, let me tell you, let me tell you about life and how I'm going to fix your problems. <laughs> he just looks like that type of guy. 
Well, I'll tell you, if there was anyone Craig would want to be, it'd be Mr. Tannen, because Arcanists hate Mr. Tannen. There you go. See, it's like it, it's in the stars. <laughs> so Tannen helps you create this bubble where if people come into your bubble, uh, and that's often how Lynch is described as, as a bubble crew, they have mm -hmm. a bad time because they end up having to discard cards if they want to cheat fade. They end up having to take simple duels if they want to do anything near Tannen. So he just ends up and, making everything cost a billion cards. Yeah, and you, you kind of want to get that crow trigger too so you can start building up those brilliance tokens. Well, yeah, when you hit the crow trigger, it goes from being a TN10 willpower duel to very often being a TN13 willpower duel. So when you have a bunch of willpower yeah. 5, willpower 4 models, it's like, I have to flip a 9 to do anything but walk? <laughs> you're just wasting your hand. And then, and then at the end of the turn, you're kind of like, well, I'm just not able to do anything sometimes. Exactly. So when things get close to Lynch, they, they have a bad day. And that's why Beckoners are probably one of the next important models to talk about. These models are, I, I, I actually acquired some of them through a Neverborn trade. And when I was sad, when I found them and I was like, oh, what is this? And they're like, oh, they're Beckoners for 10 Thunders. I'm like, oh, these models are so sweet looking. Yeah. Well, as we discussed, they used to be Neverborn models. Yeah. But uh, the main thing that these models are doing is they, they're difficult to attack if your enemy has any, or for your enemy to attack if he has any brilliance on them. And they put brilliance out and they also have lures. Uh, lures, lures, especially in GG1, is super good in stuff like uh, Corrupted Ley Lines. Yeah, Corrupted Ley Lines, they've got some good context in uh, Recover Evidence. They've also got some good context. And so they've got a built-in trigger on that lure so that not only are they luring your model or your own models to get into a better position, they're also giving out Brilliance tokens every time they successfully complete a lure. And yeah, the nice thing nice. about this is one of the mechanics we kind of glossed over uh, most models in Lynch's keyword have this ability called rig the deck plus some number on it. And what that lets you do is it lets you take a look at the top card of your deck and swap it with any card in your hand. So hmm. Lynch rigs the deck two, so he'll pick up two cards, put two back. Beckner's pick up one card, put one card back. And so if you're just luring your own models, you'll see that, all right, I don't hit the six on my next card. Let me just slip a six back in. And it helps you maintain a big hand and get a lead on card advantage just by never having to cheat a TN. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a lot like hand sculpting, right? Where you can go ahead and, you know, you know what you need on the next flip you're going to do. So just slide those cards in there. Exactly. And one of the coolest things that uh, happens with Beckoners like this is when you're performing an opposed duel with one of your own models, you actually get to pick which model flips first. So if you don't have or don't want to put a six back, you can put a card that's less than six back, flip for the willpower on your own model that you're luring, and then flip for the duel on the beckoner. So you hmm. can try and fish two cards deep for that six if you don't have it. Oh, that's nice. That's cool, man. I mean, just like play style and just like how much fun this, this keyword seems fun. Like it seems like there's a lot of... I mean, it, it gives a very like casino feel to it like you're really kind of doing some gambling and doing some like looking and stacking of cards and trying to really put your opponents on their on their back foot absolutely the theme is definitely strong with honeypot it's not to say you have to play in keyword as a lot of his stuff plays pretty nicely individually um, so long as you are playing lynch uh, but you definitely do get that nice feel you're looking at your opponent's cards because uh, Lynch has got an ability where if your opponent flips any aces, they get brilliance. So you're really paying attention to his cards. You're playing with your cards. 
and it all comes together to feel real nice. Okay, well, let's go ahead and go on to our next keyword. Now, this guy I have played against before, and I actually, when I played against him, I didn't quite know he was 10 Thunders, but that's going to be McCabe. And I can tell you what, McCabe is moving all over the fucking board, and it can be a little (laughs) annoying. Oh, yeah. McCabe is one of the strongest masters in our faction, which is funny because he's one of the masters with the least amount of models released, since he is half... Mm -hmm. 10 Thunders, half Explorers that are coming out soon TM. <laughs> and so the deal here is he actually used to work with the guild, but uh, after the previous Governor General had a falling out, let's say, uh, he was kind of in the ship pile and had to uh, kind of ditch back over to the 10 Thunders as opposed to being their spy. Now he's yeah. just kind of working for them directly and trying to do his own new thing with the Explorers. Um, so his keyword is kind of a, a hard one to describe all too much because we don't have all of it. Yeah. But the basic idea here is that McCabe digs up these relics. His dog will dig up these relics from the dirt. You know, just kind of... She's a metal detector, right? She pops up some scrap and then chews on it and turns it into a magical sword or <laughs> uh, a flawless looking mirror. And these trinkets give your models fast, let you run all across the board and sometimes let you break a lot of rules. Like the sword gives out precise. So if you're looking for ways to deal with armor or all those other annoying defensive tech, Lucas does a really good job of that. As far as his other models, a lot of them are take it or leave it. The important ones to discuss would probably be the huckster. These guys yeah. are slippery, they're manipulative, they can uh, jump all across the map with their uh, secret passage, so they go from... I, you know, I hate hucksters and secret passage with a passion. So yeah, these guys will be bouncing from uh, blocking terrain to blocking terrain and pumping out scheme markers with false claim, which lets you throw out two markers for the price of one somewhere else. Um, so they're they're excellent schemers, and they often can come out a keyword to be cheap in keyword. You'll you'll usually see one of them if you're playing McCabe. And from the rest of it, so long as you're taking minions, it's golden because yeah. he can pass out his uh, upgrades to anything that's in keyword or is a minion. So you see Samurai come in here. You see some Jorigumo from uh, Asami come in, uh, and he can be a pretty nasty beat stick himself if he picks up one of those swords. Yeah, and I've actually played against uh, Desper LaRoe a lot, and that dude just bounces all over the place. Yeah, Desper is the uh, the master thief of the keyword who can... He's got Don't Wine With We, so he can interact regardless of enemy models existing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got Expert Getaway, so he can move through terrain and models while he's uh, moving. Now, this doesn't let you walk out of engagement ranges, but it lets you walk through your own models like you're incorporeal and walk through terrain, which is nice. Yep. Uh, and then he's also just got a leap, so he, he gets <laughs> places. Yeah, and it, 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 has, it has the mask built in, which, I mean, you need a 7. But there's a lot of models that have leap, and you need to also get the suit. So it's nice that that's built in. Yeah, absolutely. Because there are some models that are henchmen where it's like, yeah, spend the stone. And no, Desper doesn't need the stone. He just needs a card. So let me ask you this, because it, it is a very fast-moving, it's very scheme-oriented crew. Yeah, they have some stuff they can do to kind of get their kills in too. But I feel like they're definitely on the scheming side of things. So they hit a, a pretty nice mixture 
I'd say as far as being able to kill things, like if you take the right models, they can definitely put out the same damage as anyone else. It's just they yeah. don't take hits quite so well because they don't have a lot of defensive tech themselves. You'll either be relying on stones or you know samurai to be playing your front line and not dying. Or the fact that McCabe has 12 wounds on the horse and 5 wounds off. So it just takes a lot of yeah, effort to I was gonna say, get rid of him. I think that this crew is actually a little forgiving too because one, McCabe, when he dies can just be on foot and then two there's a lot of movement shenanigans that'll help you if you make the mistake of getting engaged there's a lot of stuff they can do to disengage and and go do what they want to do absolutely if you're looking for an entry point into 10 thunders i think the uh, wastrel crew mccabe is going to be one of the best spots to start because he's got a very straightforward but powerful game plan and mm -hmm. as you said, it's forgiving enough that uh, you can make a few mistakes with wherever your models are placed and try and have a few tools to kind of make up for that. Now, has there been any talk or has there been any estimates on what they think some of his new models that might help out his keyword coming out here soon? Like, is there any well, innuendo of what that might be? A weird, not a weird place. Uh, on the newsletter, they recently showed us the new model from the uh, Explorer side called the Rough Rider. Yep. Um, and so that is another model that should be coming out soon that has another ride with me on it. So McCabe, when he is during his activation, he can ride with me, take smaller models along with him to try and uh, yeet them further up the board, help him get in position to scheme, shoot, uh, melee, you name it. These models do the same thing. So you can really throw a model across the map before it activates. Yeah. It's like you're telling the model to leap twice out of activation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you get somebody like Desper who's just like, oh, we're just going to push you up the board and then you can go do your leap. And next thing you know, he's in the opponent's deployment zone just causing chaos. Absolutely. You can shoot a this, lot of things up real this quick. This seems like a really good crew into symbols of authority. Yeah, it's definitely one of the crews I consider for symbols, although usually I like Jan Lowe a lot for symbols as well when, it, when we okay. get to him. Cool. All right, well, anything else you want to say about the Waste Trail crew? I mean, is this one you find yourself bringing quite a bit? I like to bring Waste Trail quite a lot. They're versatile. They can hire a lot of different options, and since they tend to go pretty light on the keyword models, every meta has their own style of McCabe player, I feel like. Mm -hmm. So at tournaments, he's also a, a little bit of a question mark. The next uh, keyword that I want to talk about is one that we actually were kind of talking about that you were saying you didn't have a lot of experience with, and that's with Mei Fang and the Foundry crew. Yeah, so Mei Fang was the, the Arcanist infiltrator, and she still is dual faction with Arcanist, as mm -hmm. uh, her ties with the rail company has have not gone away. Um, and so the general idea here is that she and her crew are building this rail network with scrap that they can use to jump around the map to various different points to uh, really have a good coverage of the board and be able to scheme or attack wherever they need to be. Yeah. The master herself tends to be more of a melee beater. She can throw up this bubble of hazardous concealing terrain to try and protect so herself annoying. and get some extra yeah. damage out there. And so, yeah, she's got the versatile movement uh, that you see in a couple other spots in the faction, but then also can put out a ton of attacks with her martial arts. And uh, she's got some cool robots, too, if that's your thing. <laughs> I was going to say, if people are interested in her, uh, Jeremy and I talked a lot about her 
on the uh, Arcanist episode that we did for the Faction Guide. So if if you're more interested in her, check that out. But the one thing I was going to ask you, Landon, is what, like, when you consider bringing Masters, what makes you not want to bring her or makes you want to bring something else instead of her? So the issues that I have having seen Mayfang on the table a couple of times is that there's a lot of crews that just use scrap per se. And that's one yeah. of the things that you know she makes and generates a lot of them. So you never want to be doing the work for your opponent. So if you're you know making scrap markers and your opponent across the table's got a widow weaver and he's like, great, that's a stitched. You know, yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to ruin your plan to help his. And so you know, even if you didn't need that scrap marker, you know, you gave it to him. And I don't believe that they really have a way to not drop. Is it a May on there dropping scrap? No, it is just simply at the end of this model's activation, drop a scrap marker in it for yeah. their metal gammon and their forgeling. So you don't even have a, a valve on it some of the time. Yeah, so. it's it's definitely out there. So you do have to be careful what crews and what counterpicks your opponents do because, I mean, there's also some models that are just like remove all scrap markers. And then it's like, okay, and now you're not doing what you want to do. So like they definitely have some play and like the counter-tech isn't the end of the world for them but between that and like incorporeal models that will ignore vent steam uh, yeah. or just things that ignore hazardous terrain it feels like there's a lot of things that you know normally make the crew pretty good that you know once your opponent's seen it a few times it'll it'll start getting dialed back yeah because i think it's one of those crews like when you first play it if you don't have counter picks to it it's kind of like holy crap this is just brutal but then once you play it against it and you start countering it, you start to get to the point where you're like, okay, I can bring this where I'm not taking that damage. I ignore this. I can pick up their markers. And all of a sudden, May's having a miserable game. Yeah. No, she's she's definitely got some matchups and some ceiling to, uh, you know, where she can be really good. But uh, when it's rock bottom. Oof. When, it's, when it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it's ugh. And then I think some of the other part that helps it a bit in the Arcanist side as opposed to the, the Ten Thunder side is you're missing a couple of cool Arcanist versatiles that we don't necessarily have in Ten Thunders. And yeah. While people say Ten Thunders have good upgrades, who boy, do Arcanists have good upgrades. Yes, they do. Yeah, check out that faction guide for Arcanist because I do feel like she's stronger in the Arcanist side because a lot of the versatile models are in uh, Arcanist are robots. They're constructs. So they're usually wanting to use the scrap markers that she's putting out. Yeah, and they also don't have to worry about the vent steam problem that uh, another yep. versatile in 10 Thunders might. Yep. So let's go ahead and, like I said, check out the other uh, faction guide for Arcanist. A lot of good stuff Jeremy put out for her. Uh, but this is actually one that I think is really interesting because when I did my first demo of Malifo, I actually played this master and her crew, and that's Misaki in The Last Blossom. Yeah, Masaki in the Last Blossom, I've got a little bit of experience with. She is this uh, sort of tricksy assassin who strikes from the shadows. It's fun. She uh, she mostly is putting out these concealing shadow markers with uh, at the start of every turn. And then she's got a couple of models that can make them as well. And she can unbury in base contact with any shadow marker on the board. Kind of like the same idea that you're doing with Mayfang's rails, except these are shadow markers, not scrap markers. So your opponent yep. isn't going to be uh, getting free resources off them usually, unless you're playing like the mirror or something. Well, and there's less things that get rid of them too. 
Right. They are destructible, so anything can walk up and get rid of them. Yeah. And there are some other counter tech that cares about destructible terrain, but they, they yeah. get you some good value while they're out there. As uh, you know, if your opponent's walking up to blow up a shadow marker, it's almost like you slowed him, right? He's losing AP to do that. Yeah, I think that if you like the ninja vanish, like if you're a big, you know, TMNT fan, this is a cool crew. Absolutely. This is she is the head of the crime Yakuza organization known as the Ten Thunders. So if you're looking for the the poster child of the faction, it would be Misaki. You know, she's got the ninja theme down. She's got her personal ninjas, the Torakage. She's got her big ninja beater with the uh, straw hat and the Zambato with uh, Ototo. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's definitely definitely cool. You get to bounce around. And if you're looking, if you were, if you heard horror stories about Minako Rei from GG Zero, she still does pretty much the same thing in uh, The Last Blossom. So, you know, you can get some summoning in the keyword as well. Yeah, I see she got a ratted, so they toned something down on her. Yeah, the Create Katashiro, which is how she summons things, mm-hmm. used to uh, be a lower TN uh, for everything. Now you simply get a bonus stat if you're targeting a shadow marker as opposed to a scrap. So people would take oh, okay. her out of the keyword where you ne- don't necessarily have shadow markers and use scrap instead. Now you pretty much have to use the uh, shadow markers if you want to get good value for your cards and your summon yeah because otherwise you're burning what a 12 to get that yeah and that to be clear she's summoning katashiro which normally come from the oni keyword but i believe are sold with her box so they're kind Hmm. of a package deal besides ninja vanishing and having movement shenanigans how is this crew playing on the table so this crew is generally going to be kind of trying to keep you guessing where Misaki is going to pop out as either Misaki or these Torakage can be doing your scheme running. A Toto is also kind of weird and tricksy in that if Misaki pops out early, he can just be this devastating control machine where he's dropping more shadow markers and slowing all your models. Yeah. Or he can just be this melee beat stick. He's got a two inch reach. He's got that min three damage track with a potential crit strike. And, uh, you know, he can also slow things with his melee attack if he hits the right trigger. So he can switch gears pretty well, too. So I think the whole crew, the whole idea is that they play this mix between, uh, you know, control and scheming and then also being able to be pretty good at damage. So Yeah, it, it kind of feels like they do they do a little bit of everything, but they almost feel like they're going to target important pieces, take that out, and then regroup somewhere else to accomplish the next step absolutely they're going to look for the one thing that the opponent is bad at and try and exploit the crap out of it yeah yeah and she has a cool mechanic misaki does where she for every two friendly models that you activate her movement goes down one so is that kind of weird does that you know incentivize activating her early it's interesting with that, and I think it plays really well with one of the other keywords we'll get to, in that she really likes pass tokens, because pass, pass mm-hmm. tokens don't count for this movement, but you can still delay the activation of when Misaki comes out. Um, okay. So in that event, sometimes you'll also run a more elite crew, just so you can burn out some activations with that. But yeah, sometimes it can get a little awkward if your opponent's good at removing shadow markers, where you might have to unbury somewhere. Uh, that you might not necessarily want to unbury or might have to unbury yeah. next to Shang if he's still alive. Uh, Shang being the totem. But that's what kind of makes her fun to play with and against because you're both playing this mini game, right? And it's yeah. very interactive. 
Yeah, so if you're used to playing with seven cards in your card games, uh, you know, Masaki is a good place to start. You get that Arcane Reservoir. You don't have to remember the draw to six. So what you're saying is if you're coming from Arcanist, this will make you feel at home. Absolutely. Yeah, that, and I guess we didn't talk about Asami having Arcane Reservoir, but she's the other master that has Arcane Reservoir in the faction. Oh, she does. Okay. Yeah, that's that's always good. People Playing with seven cards always feels good. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, a any other uh, model in here you want to give a quick shout-out for before we move on to the next keyword? Uh, Thunder Archers are cool. They get to ignore a lot of stuff. Um, and on Trigger, they pretty much ignore everything, whether it be... Uh, you know, ignoring the minus flips to shooting or ignoring the defensive tech your opponent have. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're cool. And if you're shooting through the shadow markers that you're making in this keyword, you're uh, going to get an extra bonuses on their attacks as well with one of their triggers. So shout out to Shadow Archers. And we kind of already talked about the other big one, which was the Minako Ray. The other models are good. You'll take them when you take them. But those are the, the noteworthy ones that kind of define how the play style works. Okay, well, let's go ahead and I don't think you can talk about Ten Thunders without talking about the elephant in the room, which is Shenlong and the monk keyword, which until until the errata and the gaining grounds change, man, you heard people crying about this guy all the time. Oh, yeah. In, in GG0, Shenlong was debatably one of the strongest masters in the game. Then they uh, kind of peeled back a a bit uh, turn the dial back to about eight when it was at 11 and he's he's still good but he's not the the juggernaut that he once was um, now i think he ends up kind of doing some cheesy strategies with uh fuhatsu uh and that's like his big shtick right now but okay. he is the the martial artist kung fu like if you're if you're looking for dragon ball z this is the dragon ball z crew <laughs> yes you're it gonna, is <laughs> you're gonna jump in with shenlong you're gonna punch a model six times and it's gonna fall over dead and then you're gonna be like just dodging all of these attacks using your chi which is the main key uh, keyword ability they get these so, tokens that build up i gotta tell you i gotta tell you landon chi is so annoying because can can you can you explain can you explain it? Because I think new players don't understand how good this is. All right, so here is how chi works. At the whenever you focus and at the start of your activation, these models get a token, and this token you can spend whenever you take a duel. So whether that's defense, a simple duel for you know your TNs, or you're just punching someone in the face after you flip the card. But before you or your opponent cheat, you can spend a cheat token to add to the duel. So some of your otherwise unimpressive stats, like your defense 5, you spend a chi, you're at defense 7 now. And if you were losing the flip you know, before, you might be winning the flip now and make your opponent have to cheat first. Yeah. And that can be really annoying when you, you're like, yes, I'm beating you by 1. That means you have to cheat first. You have to spend the good card, and he just spends the cheat token, and you're like... <sighs> Do I want to toss the severe now? Yeah, that's the thing is, it doesn't seem good, but you're like, oh, how often is that going to come up? But it comes up quite a bit. But I'll tell you right now, if you're having a hard time dealing with uh, Chi, Injured is your best friend, because a lot of these models are relying on their stats and Chi to not go down. The mm -hmm. second you put a point or two of Injured on something like Shenlong, now he's not spending chi to beat you. He's spending chi to still be, you know, points under you. 
you know, defense four going to defense six is a lot better. So Chi, so Chi's good. Injured's bad on the Chi. Okay, we get it. Yeah. So uh, the other thing, though, is this is why people will tell you, you know, Shen Long's busted. You put a bunch of injured on Shen Long. He's got this tactical action, which leads into why he's so good with Hatsu, called spiritual alignment. You uh, choose, you target two models, which can be yourself because it's a tactical action. Yep. And you choose a condition affecting one of those two targets. The other target gains that condition at the same value to a maximum of three than end the condition on the first target. So to put that into plain old English, <laughs> you put injured, you know, six on uh, Shen Long. We'll just, you know, give a really obnoxious value. You end injured six on Shen Long and you put injured three on, you know, the enemy who just dumped it on you. Yeah. And this is really good with Fuhatsu because what you can do is take your smaller models that will be focusing... As uh, one of the things Shenlong does as a leader, or not even as a leader, is that friendly monks can ignore the once per activation restriction on concentrate. Mm-hmm. So if you want to spend the entire game in your deployment zone just powering up like you're watching an episode of Dragon Ball Z, shouting at the top <laughs> of your lungs, That's he good. can make the spirit bomb. <laughs> and just so get all the energy from the whole planet. You know, in in this sort of cheese that I'm talking about here. Fuhatsu is Goku. You're building the spirit bomb. You pile like focus six or nine on Shenlong's activation on Fuhatsu. And then you push him up the board and he just goes to town with the scattling gun. Just unload. Um, yeah, that that that's pretty good, man. Um, talk to me real quick about the different styles because I know Shenlong has different styles. Are you looking at only doing one of his stances, or do you change it up according to the board state? I mean, how do you use them? So in GG0, you kind of just, it was really boring because you had four stances, but you only ever used the uh, drunk style because it Mm -hmm. was just that overtuned. Now, I think you're usually going to be wanting to stick between his style that gives out healing and his style that lets you push models around. Um, you're still going to use the drunk style to get around concealment and take some fun shots. And you might use the fire style if you need to do some ruthless punching. But by and large, I think you're going to get the most mileage out of Shenlong with the healing style and the, uh, the moving or the wandering river style as a lot of his models have hard to kill, which means that just gives healing that much extra value. You're going to have to spend the extra, you know, hits to try and punch these things down as they're pinging behind, you know, one health to, uh, you know, any amount more than one health. So they have to get back past hard to kill. And uh, looking at all these different monks, because that's what this keyword is, uh, which, like, what are two monks you're like, okay, I, I like always like bringing this monk. The standout monks are definitely going to be Sensei Yu and the Charm Warder. Uh, and we also talked about how cool Thunder Archers are. They share a keyword with monks. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you'll see them as well. Okay. Sensei Yu is uh, this guy who's going to be, he is the teacher you never wanted to have. He will beat <laughs> the crap out of you because he thinks it's funny and draws cards. Yeah. You know, he's got this trigger oh, yeah. good for a laugh. You draw two cards, you discard cards, you build a monster hand. And uh, sometimes you even get to punch your enemies with it too. But the good part about this trigger is it's built in. So he can just really help you set up the tools to have devastating activations with the rest of your crew. Yeah. I, I will say the first couple times I played Shenlong, I thought Sensei Yu was Shenlong because I'm like, this dude looks like a master. No, he's, he's a teacher. All right. Uh, but 
he is not who you want in your class. So he is important because of the extra cards. He's got some tricks to push your guys around as well. And the, the iconic thing about him is when you take damage from enemies, this was errated from GG0, you gain chi tokens. So even if you're spending your chi tokens to try and get that defense out, if you get hit anyways, you get a chi token back. So I, I can tell you from experience Charm Warders are a model that I do not like because when I was playing Outcasts, they are really good against, like, Levy. No, uh, Leviticus and other Demise-based crews are going to have a bad time against Monks. Shen Long, his, got, his gun will ignore Demise abilities, and so do Charm Warders in a 5-inch bubble with their Lantern of Souls. Yeah, Lantern of Souls. Yep. So anything within 5 of them that dies is dead. No questions asked. Yeah, it- the yeah, and there's that, a, I mean, there's a ton of crews that do that too. I mean, a lot of Rezzer crap, even a lot of Neverborn stuff, you have this random demise abilities that really helps shut that off. The other cool things that your Charm Warders are going to be doing besides telling your opponent, no, you don't get to go the cool thing, is they can uh, either dunk your opponent's hands with their shady dealing trigger. So they get to do some random discards from your opponent. And if you if you haven't played enough Magic to know why random discards feel bad, random discards yep. are awful. Where you're sitting behind this six-card hand, you're like, all right, I just got to discard a card, right? At random, it's always going to be your 13. Uh, but even beyond that, they've got uh, a melee attack against willpower. And the cool thing about this is they can discard chi tokens to ignore minuses to the damage flip. And they also have a trigger to do irreducible with it. Yeah, so which is you, always good. If you have the focus and you have enough chi, you send one of these guys after someone, they're dead. You're taking stat 8 against willpower, which, you know, it's usually sitting around a 5 or a 6. If you spend it, they're dead. You can't stone. You don't have your armor work. Yep, that's definitely part of the feel-bads with, uh, with the monk crew. <laughs> but on the other half, they're 7 wounds, they're defense 5. Yeah, uh, they'll go the down. Chi helps you... A little bit, but if you don't have the cards to defend yourself, Chi only goes so far. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's a it's a great seven stone model, though. Oh, absolutely. I would say even if you're not planning to play monks, pick this one up. It's useful out of the keyword. It's useful in the keyword. And it even has a second keyword on it where you'll want to hire them as well. Well, cool, man. Any uh, last shout outs for the monk keyword that you're like, hey, this is kind of good, too? Uh, Wandering River monks do pretty good scheming, and they're a part of the way I run the Fuhatsu focus list. So, in case, we didn't cover it earlier, but whenever you attach one of Shenlong's style upgrades, the monks that uh, study that style get to take the concentrate action uh, just because Shenlong's there and he's showing them how it's done. Okay. Uh, so, this let if you're taking Wandering River monks, they get the free focus when you take the Wandering River upgrade. Uh, and they're also just solid scheme runners. They've got stealth. If you give them the upgrade, uh, they've got Butterfly Jump. So when you get Butterfly Jump and Stealth working together, they can really get a lot of distance in and be hard to uh, you know, shoot down. And then they also have Deadly Pursuit and Leap. Their Leap's not built in for the suit, so you do need masks. But you don't need that big of a mask because you can use Chi to help you out here. You need like a three of masks. Um, and yeah, between Move 6, Deadly Pursuit, Butterfly Jump, if you give them Stealth, they can have From the Shadows so that they start halfway up the board to begin with. And they're just really going to give a lot of pressure on your opponent for scoring points for five stones. Well, let's go ahead and go into our uh, next keyword. And this one, this one's interesting. I definitely know nothing about this. I literally talked to Brandon Lynch about this in the Rezzer 
uh, guide, and I, I still don't know what the heck this thing does. So, I mean, what is your take on Jan Lowe and the Ancestor Retainer? You know, if I had to say there was an elephant in the room, I would say it's Jan Lowe. Jan Lowe, okay. I think, is one of the strongest masters in the game right now, and while he might be a little bit better on the Rezzer side, he's certainly very powerful on the Thunder side as well. Okay. He is the undying, uncaring lich who has, uh, you know, sealed away the souls of his ancestors and himself kind of anchored them and he calls upon the power of his you know dynasty to uh, have these undying monsters that uh, just chew things up and have very good options for getting around the battlefield and staying on the battlefield yeah and i will say that i don't like a lot of the 10 thunders models just because that kind of um the aesthetics of the faction don't really appeal to me a ton but his models are like amazing like i love the look of this crew oh yeah and it's also like pretty cool because there's even it feels thematic but you also get a wide variety like you've got these undead uh you know skeletal peasants who just kind of get in the way and take hits for you yeah you've got uh you know the daimyo general who's summoning these uh skeletons a bit more on the rezzer side than on the thunder side but you know that's pretty cool but then you also just have like this ghost suit of armor yeah that's really cool and these uh you know cool little statue dogs that uh you know might look pretty pleasant but if they they start hitting you, you realize really quickly how dangerous a several ton statue of metal dog can be yeah no kidding right Okay, so how does, I know there's upgrades in this keyword, so how does that actually work when you put it on the table? So Yanlo has two sets of upgrades, really. There are the Ascendancy upgrades that he attaches during his turn, and there are the Ancestor upgrades, two A's I know, really easy to keep track of. Yeah, uh, right. That come out when either uh, his niece, Chiaki, puts them out with her spirit flute, or when the Ancestors themselves that have the upgrades tied to them die. Okay. And then these ancestor upgrades, he go get attached to smaller models in his crew, and he can replace them with the ancestor that had just died. So you might think you've dealt with Izamu, but if he's close enough to, you know, a Gokudo or something, uh, Yanlo takes his turn, that Gokudo becomes Izamu, and now you got to deal with the problem all over again. Okay, and let let me ask you this: one of them. The Reliquary of Manos got errated. So what was the purpose behind that? So that was an absolutely necessary errata, as uh, what it used to hand do was hand out Demise Eternal, which essentially meant whenever a model would be uh, killed, you could discard a card and have it heal to four, and it's no longer killed. So okay. you could put that on a lot of problematic models, like in Rezzers you would put it on Dead Rider, or in Ten Thunders you'd put it on Yasunori. And like mm-hmm. these models that were already difficult to kill, but you could do it if you put enough effort into it, suddenly became absolutely unstoppable. You could sink 20 AP of attacks into these things and they'd still be alive. Oh, wow. So it lets you play a lot of powerful models without any risk. Okay, so they just took that away, so that wasn't on there anymore. Yeah, they said that was a no-no and then gave it a still <laughs> useful ability. Uh, now it gives out another Lantern of Souls, which was on the Charm Warders we previously discussed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Manos has this ability on his card as well, and it's that if something dies within five, you ignore its demise abilities, it's dead. Nice. So it uh, gives you another source of that, so it makes it so that your opponent can't just say, well, I don't have to worry about his demise tech if I just kill it, right? Uh, you know, you get it back, and 
with the upgrade, and if you replace the model back with Manos, well, then you've still got Manos, so it's very difficult for you to play any sort of demise-based crew into Yanlo. So is there any of these Ascendants or Ancestry upgrades that you like better than the others? Um, I tend to, with Chiaki, put out the Azamu upgrade pretty frequently onto a Gakudo, which I guess we'll talk about later. Uh, but that gives him an anchor point, so you can just shoot him off like a missile into the enemy crew, uh, as it gives you insurance. Like, if they kill Izamu, I have another Izamu. And he can just kind of roadblock people up and slow them down a lot. So Izamu's upgrade I tend to put out pretty frequently. All right, so what are some of the models that you really like bringing in this crew that you're like, okay, this this does a ton of work in this crew? Well, in Ton Thunders, you're always going to be taking Chiaki, as Chiaki is how you put the Ancestor upgrades out onto your models without having them die. Um, okay. <laughs> so it lets you put out that insurance before you uh, have the model die. And uh, so even that way, even if your enemy's packing anti-demise tech, saying like, all right, if I just you know, bring the anti-demise tech, Azamu doesn't put out the upgrade when he dies. Well, it doesn't matter because Azamu comes back from the upgrade you already put out. Um, so she's really good with that. She also lets you reposition your crew super well with beckoning call. So you can, you know, even if you make a few deployment errors, you can move, uh, you know, your guys to the spots where they're supposed to be. And aside from that, she just draws you a card at the end of the turn. So it's like you got some pseudo arcane reservoir going on there. So she comes in really frequently. And then you'll, in 10 Thunders, I like to take the three ancestors of Izamu, Yin, and Chiaki. Yeah, so that you've got Jockey to put out the upgrades. Zamu, as we discussed, he's this big melee beat stick for the keyword that can come back after he's killed. And then Yin kind of serves a hybrid role where he's really fast. He can do some scheming, but if he needs to fight, he can kind of do it too. Dude, how is Yin fast? He looks like just nothing but organs and skeletal remains. Well, you know, he just... Uh, I couldn't tell you how he moves other than the fact that he <laughs> flies. So I guess the, the head just kind of hmm. pulls everything else forward and it just goes there because it's too terrified to be anywhere else. Maybe it's using its former rib cage's wings? I don't know. <laughs> That'd be funny. Just, <laughs> or, honestly, pretty terrifying. Maybe that's it. You get these twitching little ribs. <laughs> I mean, it is a terrifying model, so that yeah. all makes sense. Oh, God, that's... You know, disturbing. I like to prefer, though, to think that uh, Yin spins that big ponytail like a helicopter and just uses that to fly. You know, I could see that. You know, whipping the hair back and forth like, uh, you know, like the song says, that that's fair. Okay. <laughs> oh, Manos. Manos is the other ancestor who comes in pretty quickly because he has leap and he's fast, and even though it's not built in on the card, he can... Uh, ping himself and allies to get suits on all of his actions okay so what is this is this a flexible faction is this one where it's like okay this this faction's doing a ton of work it's it can do a little bit of a a little bit of b i mean how does it play uh winning the game wise so um this uh particular keyword or the faction as a whole Oh, sorry, I, I meant... <laughs> gotcha, this, this keyword. Okay. Yes, I mean, Ten Thunders obviously is OP, but... <laughs> obviously. But Yanlo no, is the reason yeah. why Ten Thunders is OP, because he does... We've said other keywords do everything, Yanlo does everything. Okay, so he literally can do anything. So, Yanlo, the whole shtick he has that we haven't discussed yet are his Ascendancy upgrades... He's got okay. five of them. He puts one on at the start of every turn. No duels or anything involved. You just pick one you haven't gotten yet, and it does something for Yanlo, something for everything that's got a relic attached, and then gives Yanlo a permanent bonus. 
Uh, and in addition to all of those things, it also buffs all of his stats by one. All of them, huh? All of them. So you look at Yanlo's card at first glance, and you go, why is a model with defense three overpowered? This looks like it just dies. But the first time he activates his defense four. The second time he activates his defense five. And after that, he's a six, seven for the rest of the game. So mm. from turn three onwards, he's a six, seven with a stat seven gun that ignores friendly fire. Once he's got three attached to Sensi upgrades, he's min three. So he's stat seven, min three, shooting willpower with some decent triggers. And then he also has some other cool uh, actions on the back where you look at the TNs and you're like, these TNs look like they're reasonable. And then you realize that, you know, the treacherous pass, while it looks like it needs a six, it actually needs a five, a four, or a three. And <laughs> what it does... Good God. Is you uh, place Yan Lo in base contact with a target, right, at eight inches. So already this can mean Yan Lo can just move over eight inches in a turn by targeting something eight inches away. Yeah. Then you can push the target up to two inches in any direction for each ascendant upgrade you have attached to the model. So on the hmm. first turn, you can push one of your own models to every time you uh, do this to it. You know, okay, fine, two inch push, whatever. On the fifth turn, you target a model and you push it 10 inches. Good God, man. So if you're trying to figure out, how do I score my breakthrough point? How do I score my last symbols point? Yanlo goes, I'm going to push my model 10 inches. Then Yanlo says, I'm going to push my model 10 inches again. And if for <laughs> some reason, after 20 inches of pushes, you are not where you want to be, you can push your model 10 inches again. <laughs> Yeah, you know, just push yourself off the board at that point. Like, on your 3x3 three three table, you can push a model 30 of the 36 inches in one activation. That seems... I mean, obviously you're not going to do that, but just the fact that you can is yeah, you know, ridiculous enough not, I would want to do it. You're going to be like bouncing one of your opponent's models that he has in position to score 10 inches out of the way so he doesn't pick up your last symbol and then you bounce your model 10 inches forward so you get to pick up your symbol and that's like a two-point swing right there and you oh, can yeah. do that on like turn three turn four or turn five because you know six inches of push is still really good yeah and and man just the fact it's willpower i mean i, I the more i play the more i find that if you have a strong master that really focuses on willpower in some crews, that's just devastating, man. Absolutely. Um, and so that's why I'm saying, like, this model is very versatile. This crew can kind of do whatever he wants because you can basically put your models anywhere you want on the table. And by the end of the game, they'll be where you want them to be. From what you are saying about Jan Lo, though, I, I feel like this is a master you would not recommend to a new player. Yes and no. He's got a lot of different things he can do. So he can come off as really complicated. But because of the things we've discussed where, like, you can move models so well, mm -hmm. you can make a lot of mistakes and not be punished for them. Like, if you overextend Izamu, you have the Reliquary upgrade to bring Izamu back. So you go, oops, I have a second Izamu. That was a bad mistake, but now I'm recovering from it because I have a second one, right? Yeah. Where you can go, oops, I needed my model to be on that half of the board. I, I take two duels with Yan Lo or two duels with Chiaki, and now my model's been displaced, you know, a foot, and it's where it needed to be. So if you're willing to put in the time, he can look hard at first glance, but he's certainly got the tools where you're allowed to make mistakes. So, I mean, there. It, so from what I'm hearing you say is 
you can recover easily, so it's a little more forgiving, but maybe the ceiling is really high. Yeah, ceiling is super high, and like, don't get me wrong, you can lose games with Jan Lowe, although personally I haven't yet in about eight games, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I'm trying to say is that you might not figure him out all at once, but it's okay, you'll still be able to have good games. It won't be like, oops, you overextended your model turn one, now we aren't really playing Malifaux anymore because I killed off 20 stones of your crew. It's more like, you know, that was a dumb mistake. Let's keep playing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, you know, I'm really not happy about this because I have a friend who's playing uh, Rezzers. He switched to that faction. And he he busted out some Yan Lo, and uh, it's uh, I'm kind of terrified now. I mean, you kind of scared me a bit. You you probably should be. He's even more terrifying in uh, in Rezzers because uh, he gets a couple of more options like the Dead Rider that you just don't have in Thunders. Mm-hmm. And like, so you can play the same keyword that list that I play in Ten Thunders and Rezzers too, and it's good. But then you bring in the Dead Rider, and this guy is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> I'm just going to make my peace with this. I don't know what else to do. <laughs> One of the other ancestors we didn't talk about, Toshiro, he doesn't really work too well on the 10 Thunder side because he needs corpses to work. Rezzers mm-hmm. has the corpses. Yeah, it turns out, right, the the dead people have a bunch of corpses. Yeah. Well, that that was really interesting. I got a lot more out of that this time around talking about that. So let's go on to the last keyword we have with, uh, I don't know, Yoko Uno, uh, Yuko... Hamasaki and the Qigong, Qigong, Qigong. However you want to say <laughs> QI, you know. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Yoko Hamasaki. She is, uh, I love her keyword. I hate the master. Uh, yeah, and she's one of the newer masters for 10 Thunders, right? She is new to third edition, and she's got some really cool models. She gets some models out of Neverborn. All of the cool uh, theater puppets found their home in her keyword. Uh, I used to play Collodian second edition, so of course I had those models and I had to try her out. Okay. But the thing I learned after about 10 games of Yoko was that all of her models, the cool things that they're doing is they're generating these pass tokens and they're making you minus flips on willpower duels. So the general idea of her keyword is that you're getting controlled by her models. You're not having any cards. And you don't really get to have a lot of uh, agency over your own defenses. Yeah. So your opponent really feels like they don't get to play the game too much. But the keyword lacks a couple of different ways to score points. And the nail in the coffin for me is that the actions on Yoko's cards suck balls. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we were talking about Yan Lo with his stat 7, you know, 3, 4, 5 willpower attack. Well, we've got Yoko here with her stat 5, uh, 2, 3, 4 melee attack on defense. You know, so mm. that that doesn't sound quite so good. And that doesn't get any better, unlike Yan Lo's willpower gun. Yeah, no kidding. Um, then you've got her next ability, which puts out Distracted. Uh, For all you newer players, there's this cool action that any model in the game can take called Assist. If you're within two of a model, you just flip the top card of your deck and you get rid of one, two, three, based on the value of the card, burning, injured, or distracted. So this monster will put out Distracted X with this ability, uh, where X is the difference in the number of cards between your hand and your opponent's hand. 
The cool thing about playing Yoker is your opponent has to play one card down. So you're normally playing five cards versus six cards unless you're against yeah. some filthy Arcanists. So usually this ability will give out one to two Distracted. The not cool part about this ability is that their insignificant two-stone model can then just flip a card without winning a willpower duel and say, no, my model's not distracted. Yeah, and I think that's something good for new players to think about because a lot of times your model's just sitting there on fire or you have distracted and it, you just leave it there where it's like, oh, you can just take your totem and get rid of it. Exactly. So there's usually always a use for a model, even if it might not seem obvious at first. And Yoko's a good uh, demonstration of that where it's like, oh, I piled distracted six on my opponent's beater. And your totem just kind of walks up and goes, all right, I got rid of four of it. My other gripe about Distracted is if your opponent focuses, it's kind of like you just kind of put a worse slow on him for that turn. So then you have her it, cool ability. Yeah, what's her cool ability? Because I was going to say, she she can't be all bad. I mean, she's willpower seven. Her cool <laughs> ability is blackmail, and this synergizes with the front of her card. So whenever you're within six of uh, Yoko, she's got an aura where if you discard a card, she draws a card. And Blackmail says you can't target the same model more than once per activation. You can't target a leader with it. But the target ha may discard up to two cards. The and then Yoko gains two pass tokens, but she gains one less pass token for every card you discarded. So you she gives your opponent this kind of trick question where it's like, if you don't discard any cards, I get pass tokens. I get to take the last activation this uh, turn. If you do this card pass tokens, I'm going to draw two cards. Yeah. And then she's got a trigger on this, which is the most unique part of her card. It's when resolving, if the target discarded one or fewer cards, it takes an action that does not attach upgrades or list a model by name chosen and controlled by this model. You might think, this sounds an awful lot like Obey, but Obeys don't let you take bonus actions. So That's if you true. use this on Teddy... Teddy's standing next to something. Teddy oh can God. consume that model because Good you blackmailed God, him. Good God. Teddy, I know what you did. You better eat Dreamer right now or I'm going to tell everyone. And then the <laughs> madman, he does it. Oh my God, that is horrifying. And so that that is like the cool, unique thing that Yoko can do. Um, the, the only problem, of course, with it is that if your opponent discards two cards, you, you can't do it. And since it's once per activation, you can't try again. Uh, obviously, this isn't the problem if they don't have any cards, which is why we come to her bonus action. You get to take a look at their hand if you beat them in a willpower duel. And there's two triggers on it. One does damage based on playing a guessing game of what suits they have in their hand. The other one makes them pitch random cards based on how many schemes they haven't revealed. Yeah, both good. Both good. And uh, this comp fuels into the whole damned if you do, damned if you don't sub-theme she's got going on with the blackmail and such, as um, whenever you have a scheme revealed when playing against the Qian Gong models, they receive a pass token for each model with the ability, which is everything in the keyword. Yeah. Uh, and in addition, this ability lets them use pass tokens to get plus flips to duels. So uh, let me ask you this, because... It seems like, Landon, you get in with blackmail and you get into, you know, this range with Yuko where you can start drawing cards and stuff off the discards. 
But that kind of puts her puts her in the danger zone, doesn't it? Where if, if you have a beater coming in, they can kind of make short work of her as long as they have like focus. Yeah, the way she is intended to defend herself is she's got Serene Countenance, right? One of the best defensive techs you can get in the game. It just says, mm-hmm. enemy attack, to the target who suffer a minus third duel. And like, she's 5'7", so she has okay defensive stats. But the second you run into anyone with plus flips, she starts having a bad time. Yeah. And so the idea is that you stack Serene Countenance and Distracted, so like even if they focus, they're still on a minus. But then you run into things like, you know, Arcanist with Soulstone Cash or Power Tokens from Hoffman where you're just already on positive flips so your double yeah. negatives just kind of cancel out their double positives and you just end up eating a lot of damage with your uh, subpar 10 wounds and your just defense 5. Yeah, so besides doing this kind of screw your hand game with, with Yoku, Yoko um, Yuko <laughs> what else is the rest of her crew doing while she's just making your life miserable? Yeah, they've got a couple of different models. So Bill Algren I end up taking pretty frequently. He's like the beater of the crew. And he's secretly also the anti-schemer in that uh, he's got this action heroic intervention. Uh, It lets you push him towards an enemy model and push all your friendlies away from that model. So he kind of dives in here to try and rescue whoever's getting dunked on. But the cool part is this tactical action has a trigger on it where if you put in a crow... The target has to remove a friendly scheme marker, or it takes two damage if it can't. So if you're you see your opponent's trying to play breakthrough, uh, you just go with Bill, you stone for the crow, or you put in a crow. Suddenly, you know he had his single model with the scheme marker in your backfield. Doesn't matter where Bill was on the table; that scheme marker goes away. Yeah. And the reason you can do this pretty reliably is the whole. Uh, keyword generates these pass tokens from leverage. So you're playing this like counter scheme game pretty hard with that. You've got these other schemes like Take Prisoner that work pretty well where you can just outlast the opponent by throwing all these pass tokens at them and then just scoring at the end of the turn. So you play this sort of uh, wait and see type game. Yeah, it, it definitely gives you control over the turn because you're just like, okay, now my opponent's done and I'm going to unravel their plan a bit. Yeah, the other things that you'll end up doing is you've got things like Geisha, which will be handing out slow and putting your opponent on negative flips to their willpower. Uh, naturally, they're putting out slow with willpower, so there's very little your opponent can do a lot of the time mm-hmm. to shut down these powerful willpower abilities other than kill the models in question. And so that's the general gist. You've got these Geisha, you've got these Kabuki Warrior. Things next to them are getting these minus flips to willpower, and you're just doing all sorts of mean, nasty things to them with... Uh, you know, you've got lures, you've got slows, you're making them uh, pitch cards with your charm warders, which are also Chi and Gong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this so, is the key. This is the key word where I actually was introduced to uh, Hinamatsu. And now that I've been playing Neverborn a bit, I, I love Hinamatsu. She's she's a great model. Yeah, Hinamatsu is a great beater. And if you're looking for cool excuses to play the theater puppets, you know, if you're not playing Hinamatsu as a leader, you're playing Yoko, where you can uh, take her in. Or you're playing yeah. Neverborn, you know, where you just take her in every list anyways. But <laughs> yeah, she shares a she, keyword she with is. Yoko, so you can take her out of faction. Yep, which is great. Because uh, there's been a couple of times where I've done like five. I haven't quite gotten the six attack yet with Hinamatsu, but I've definitely gotten five attacks with her. 
Yeah, and if you're looking for the, where's the fast model in this keyword? It's it's Hinamatsu with uh, a six inch movement. Uh, it, when you charge, you get an extra two. So you can rock it across the board with that pretty quickly. Okay, well, I mean, man, it, it's an interesting crew. It can be frustrating. Uh, what's kind of the down like downside of this crew? Like why do people like either poo-poo on it or why don't they like this keyword as much? So I... As I said when I started this discussion, I love most of the models in this keyword. Mm -hmm. The reason why I don't like playing Yoko is that she doesn't actually synergize all too well with her keyword models. Lots of them yeah. can play the game plan you have for Ki and Gong without Yoko being on the table. And as we went over her actions, I was putting a lot of emphasis on a lot of them are conditional. Um, like as we talked about the Obey, the coolest thing on her card. She doesn't get to do that if your opponent has two cards to discard. And she mm. doesn't get redos on it. Um, you have to have more than one target if you want to blackmail more than one guy. The distracted only works if the, you have a different number of cards in the hand. And there's a lot of different ways around distracted. And, well, we don't talk about her 2-3-4 melee attack at staff 5. She's not levy. Yeah. It's not irreducible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love charm orders i'll take him out of keyword i love bill sometimes i'll take him out of keyword because he can still play the out activate him and pick up all their markers from across the board game mm -hmm. and kabuki warriors are probably one of the shout outs i have to give because i play these guys in lynch i think they probably have a spot in yon low i haven't tried it yet but they they're the tanky model that has the distraction aura that says enemy models within two of those models suffer minus to willpower duels if you yeah, don't know how strong minus flips are good. yet you you will when you realize you can't cheat. Yeah, I've had a few opponents that I, w I was playing Pandora and the Poltergeist was sitting right next to Pandora. And they're like, oh, I'm going to, you know, do this terrifying test. I'm like, cool, you're at a negative. And they're like, what? I was like, yeah, you're sitting next to the Poltergeist. Flip two cards, take the lowest. Exactly that. And you can do the same thing with Mr. Tannen if you take this guy and Lynch. We talked mm -hmm. about how he puts up this six-inch bubble where you have to pass the TN somewhere between 10 and 13 willpower duel or you do nothing. Now you're on a Negative. minus flip. <laughs> Suck a <it>, nerd. <laughs> exactly. Uh, God, mean things. I love that. I mean, God bless me. I, <laughs> dude, I just, I know it's not right sometimes, but sometimes when you get those sick little just mean combos off, you're like, dude, I know this sucks, right? Yeah, me too. And I'm that a is, time. if you love being that guy and making it so that <laughs> your opponent's like, I came here to play a game. What's going on? You're going to like yeah. Yoko. It doesn't matter but, if she's not the best. She can be a lot of fun if you like playing that control type play. You, if you want to <laughs> play blue, you play Yoko. There you go. There you go. See, I, I, could, I could tell Landon, you had a little magic in you. I, I too have some of the magic in me too as well. Yeah. No, it's... Everyone, I think, at this point in time has heard of or like maybe tried magic. You might not have played magic, but you know, you understand that the colors exist, right? So, exactly. All right. Well, the last thing we got to talk about before just general just comments about the faction is the upgrades. So, the general upgrades are they anything to write home about? Uh, yes. There's a different <laughs> context for basically every one of them, and they kind of play into the overall style of the faction, which is to say, we try and guess what the opponent's going to do, and then we poke them where it hurts. Okay. So the first one I guess I'll talk about is Mast Agent. This It sounds cool, but it's got uh, some context to it that when it's good, it's really good, and when it's not good, you just don't take it. 
Uh, the important part about this is it's got relentless. So enemy models engaged with this model may not declare resistance triggers. So hmm. you run into a model that relies on resistance triggers to stay alive, like if yeah. they've got squeal or scamper or like uh, the trigger with that lets you bury. Like you just slap this two stone upgrade on your beater and you say no. You don't get to do that. Yeah, that's good. Uh, the other part about it that's cool that I'll sometimes take for in McCabe is after you declare a charge, you can take a friendly model within two of yourself with you when you charge and put hmm. it in base contact. And then if for some reason it's on a minion, I don't tend to take it on minions, but there are a couple where it's kind of good, uh, you get coordinated attack as a trigger on a mask, which essentially lets a friendly model take a melee attack against the model you just hit. So you bring out your friend with you, and then you gang up on him and kick him while he's down. Fair. <laughs> so, so yeah, this upgrade's really good because, like we said, you get to turn off resistance triggers, leave it at home when you're not doing that. Yeah. Uh, so then the next one I want to talk about is Train Ninja. Sure. This one combined with Samurai is what uh, you know I was referring to earlier in the episode when I was talking about it. this is the way you can just come sideways at your opponent. Uh, it gives unimpeded, which is always nice. Stealth, which means people can't shoot you from more than six away, which, again, mm -hmm. always nice. But the reason you're usually taking this is the minion ability, the samurai or minions. This model may be deployed at the start of the game rather than during deployment. If so, this model may be deployed anywhere on the table that is at least six Jesus. away from the enemy deployment zone. It can't interact on the first turn. So you just park them in terrain and just come get some. Yeah, so you just, from the shadows, is the name of the ability, put your samurai 12 inches outside your opponent's deployment zone, and you say, okay, I'm going to go first, I'm going to focus, shoot, whatever I can kill, and then I'm going to walk away, and you're going to have to come to me, and I'm going to shoot you again next turn. <laughs> and you can just do this oh, with man. any declared master bring two of these things and for 22 soul stones if your opponent you know lost the coin flip on is he going to take samurai this game sometimes his crew just can't deal with that yeah there's a, there's a lot of crews where if you have like like you said if you just bring two samurai it's it it's hard enough to deal with one but if you have two and they're interlocking sectors of fire, and it's just... It exactly, it's like, all right, yeah, you, you went first, you engaged one of the samurai, I go with the other one, and I still keep going. Yep. Samurai, of course, armor too, so even if you get up next to them, it's hard to put them down. Yeah, for sure. So that's why I say samurai are kind of like an important tool for anyone in the faction to have, because it's a good yeah. strategy that you know is better in some keywords than others, but it's always going to be an option that you can punch your opponent in the face with. And, and then, are the, are those? What's the third one? Is that worth anything? Or the third one is no? also worth something, and it's probably the one you take the second most. Um, it gives you hard to kill, which you know if you have more than one health, you can't be killed. You know you go to one instead. It gives you challenge, which is like the mediocre, but still going to be useful if you don't have a better bonus action ability, where mm -hmm. you uh, force a willpower duel. And if they fail, they have to discard a card every time they want to hit someone other than you with an attack. Or not even an okay. attack, any action. So say they brought like a healer model. You uh, challenge that model and suddenly he has to discard a card unless he wants to heal anyone other than the model that challenged him. That gets expensive. <laughs> Just kind of call him uh, out like, hey, come fight me. Stop healing people. <laughs> like, come at me, bro. And then the cool part about it is it also has uh, ability you can kind of do some cheese with. Uh, if it's a minion, it gets take the hit. 
So after an enemy model attacks Super another good. friendly within two, you can pitch a card and place in base with the model that uh, was being attacked and become the new target of the attack. And the reason why I say there's some cheese with this, another model in, you guessed it, Yan Lo's crew, uh, Sun Xiang, has an ability where if you place within three of them, you heal one. So this gives you hard to kill. And if you have more than one hit point, you can't be killed with hard to kill. Yep. You place, you heal to two if you were at one, and now you don't die. You might say, <laughs> well, this only works if uh, they attack a different model. Well, Sun Xiang himself also has an ability where when you take damage, you can discard a card to place in base contact with Sun Xiang, which then heals you for one. <laughs> I think that's the same thing Doc Mitchell has where he can basically pull you out of combat. It's the same thing, but Doc Mitchell doesn't have the ability where if you're placed, you heal. Yeah, exactly. So this kind of lets you build some lists for like public enemies right now, where unless they have a way to move your model, it just can't be killed if you have any cards in hand. Doesn't matter what the yep, card is, yep. you can't die. Yep, that's, that's good. Uh, yeah, because you almost get like in an endless loop there. Yeah, well, until you run out of cards. You only have six cards in hand. But yeah, you only need to survive so many attacks. And you always have those trash cards that you want to keep for discards. Exactly. Man, I tell you, there's a lot of great stuff you shared there with Ten Thunders, but if I'm a new player looking to get into this faction, what are, let's just say, two crews that it's like, hey, these might be two that you want to think about picking up because they're really new player friendly? If I wanted to pick two, I'd say McCabe. He's straightforward he's got some cool tools you know and he'll have fun games and he's even competitive on top of all of that so like he doesn't have a lot of tricks there's not a lot for you to like need to learn his abilities are just kind of simple pretty good uh and then on top of that you know i'd probably say for simplicity you'd probably either want like misaki who you know she's got some tricks going on but She's the poster child of the faction. She's got the good theme going on, and she's not going to be the toughest master you could pick. So, like, if you're picking 10 Thunders to begin with, it was probably because you like the ninjas. Play the ninjas. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, Misaki was the first game, literally the first game I ever played a Mal- Malifaux, and the shadow markers weren't confusing. They were easy to kind of understand. It's like, oh, I put this out, and I can teleport to it. Cool. And yeah, just it, it felt fun because you're like, cool, I'm a samurai and I'm kind of like, or I'm a ninja and I'm, I'm just using my ninja vanish to go stab things. So it, it just felt really fun as a newer player. Yeah, she definitely won the lottery on the feels correct in theme and in play, you know, just yeah. really married those together. Do you think Misaki brings a lot of people, especially new players into Ten Thunders just because of the theme? I think so. I, I would say she's definitely the iconic, I want to play the ninjas type deal. So what about, let's go on the opposite side of the spectrum now. So after you get done learning the basics, what are two masters where it's like, hey, if you're doing tournaments, these would be two masters where it's like, man, you can really grow and flex some muscles in these two keywords. Well, I'm going to go back to the one I said earlier, McCabe, very good competitively. Um, and mm-hmm. so that's why I think he's a great pickup. You can play him when you're starting out. You can play him when you're, you know, uh, experienced. And he's just always going to be a good option because he's so versatile. He's fast and he does a lot of good things. And then, of course, 
if it, you didn't see this one coming, you rewind a bit. Yanlo. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Just from everything you shared about him, I'm like, okay, I can see why this guy's pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. Once you start getting in a grasp on how, how you score points, how your opponent scores points and like how you shut people out of games, Yanlo is just going to be a dominating force. If you're playing him in Thunders or Rezzers, you just kind of like put everything where it needs to be and make your opponent frustrated as hell. Yeah. And I think this, I think something that newer players, but also people that are looking to get better at the game, I think what, what you need to do when you're looking at your keywords is try to monitor how many times you're taking the walk action. Like if you are walking too much, that's AP you're wasting. You want somebody like McCabe who can do like ride with me. So now maybe your big beater model you're not even walking with because you're doing ride with me and then maybe you're in range to charge and then now it's like you're just in the thick of it and you're just attacking and getting your points worth whereas if you have to like double walk you're wasting two action points just doing nothing you're absolutely so, right and if you look at the keywords i'm saying i like versus i don't like you know yan low he's got all these reasons where you don't have to walk you know, Misaki, mm-hmm. you teleport. You don't have to walk. McCabe, you, you're on a horse. You don't have to walk. Or if you are walking, you're walking very, very quickly. Yeah, and that's the thing I notice more about the competitive masters and keywords is that if they can make it where your movement is more efficient and more, uh, you synergize really well with the models and you don't have to waste as many actions just doing the movement action. I think those keywords are set up to be really strong, especially once you get towards competitive play. Exactly. Yeah, so I told one of my friends this. I was like, hey, check out how many times you're just doing the walk action because that might give you a hint on, okay, how can I more efficiently move up the board without just wasting AP like that? Okay, well, is there any other advice or tips you'd give for somebody getting into 10 Thunders? Just anything where it's like, hey, this can really help you out getting into the faction? I would say that one of the things you're really going to want to do in 10 Thunders is start learning what the people in your meta play. Because a lot of how 10 Thunders win games isn't by bringing the strongest thing we can possibly bring. Okay. Uh, you can you can just sure jam games of Leon low down people's throat. But the reason why 10 Thunders is so strong at a tournament setting is because they've got a lot of different answers and a lot of different options that they can branch out to go do. Yeah. Uh, so you want you want to look at what your people in your meta are kind of playing, and then figure out what you can bring because you have the answers to deal with it. You know, if you see a lot of levy, you know, maybe you need some charm warders, maybe you need manos to shut down that demise. If you see a lot of armor, maybe you need some samurai because they ignore armor. So learn how to hire models against what your opponent's playing, rather than just bring the list you wanted to bring because it's a uh, you know, what's having fun, but you know, also have fun. Yeah. And I, I think that's why 10 Thunders are generally a pretty strong faction because they do seem to have a lot of counter picks and a lot of good tech against some very difficult matchups. Like you look at Leviticus, Leviticus is a nightmare for a lot of factions. Like Absolutely. there's some factions when they see Leviticus, they're like, I don't know what to do into this. And the beautiful part is Leviticus hears you declare 10 Thunders and instantly he's shit in the bed going, is he going to declare Shen Long who shuts down my demise? Is he going to hire a Charm Warder who shuts down my demise? Is he playing Yan Lo who just has mana so you can't get rid of? 
And so, like, you also just yeah. have a lot of threat where people be scared of the options you have. Yeah, I, I was uh, I was playing Zip, and I was playing in a league, and I was like, yeah, I declared Zip, and they declared 10 Thunders. And somebody was like, you better hope that they don't bring that upgrade that makes it where you can't declare triggers, because otherwise Zip is dead. Oh, yeah. No, uh, my first game playing against Zip uh, in GG0, I just kind of threw that upgrade on Yasunori, and then Zip's like, I'm going to push away after your Onslaught attack. And I'm going, and you're like, no, sorry, you're not. Zip. Stay right there. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. You are staying right there. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, man, that, a lot of really great stuff. I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing 10 Thunders, because like I said, this is the faction I, I knew the least about. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm always willing to uh, be a mouthpiece and an advocate for Thunders. Uh, so let me ask you this. Is there any shout-outs or anything you want to kind of plug? Just It could be 10 Thunders base. It could just be maybe your meta base or anything else. Well, if you aren't playing Vassal yet, uh, get yourself on Vassal. Uh, you know, it's hard to get in games right now, what with uh, COVID and all, making us all have to take these extra precautions so that uh, no one dies. But Vassal is yep. a good program that you can download. Vassal.org, I think, is the website where you can play on a virtual tabletop and get games in with people from all over the globe so you can see all the different metas. Yeah, I will say I, I, Vassal is one thing that I, I would like to get more games in, but just for me with a family, it's a little challenging because, you know, chaos happens in the household. But Yeah, and I would uh, say that Vassal is more of an enthusiast tool. Like, it's not a great if you yeah. don't. It's not great if you aren't... Uh, super well versed in how Malifaux works to begin with but it's what we've got right now yeah and that's actually i was going to say that's one of the things i actually uh i enjoyed is i had a couple of friends who they're like hey let me play this against you and it was kind of cool to see how the different keyword works but uh me being a model guy it loses a lot of the game just because you know you're you're looking at 2d images as opposed to cool models yeah you lose the cool factor but it's also just a good tool for newer players where it's like i don't know where i want to start is this keyword right for me you can try it out on vassal with the you know a friendly game and then yep. say wow i really liked how that played or hmm, maybe i need to pick a different keyword yeah, which, I mean, honestly, if I did that, maybe I'd save a ton of money because, <laughs> I mean, I've only been playing for like, I don't know, maybe nine months now. No, probably no, probably closer to 10. But And I've jumped from Outcast. I still play Bayou, but I'm also now flexing into Neverborn. And it's just like, man, if I just, you know, maybe played some of this stuff on Vassal, maybe I wouldn't have switched so hard. Yeah, no, it's definitely helping me uh, curb my Euripides cravings, as I used to play Neverborn, and then they took away half my toys, and then they gave us this new cool Cyclops dude, and I'm like, oh, I want to play that, it looks so cool, but uh, luckily with Vassal, I don't have to don't have to buy it to give it a, a whirl. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, Euripides is kind of interesting by himself. He does some cool things, but then it's just like, damn it, this can be challenging too. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up there. Those of you that want to get more content and support the podcast, make sure that you guys check out our YouTube channel. Make sure you support us on Facebook and Twitter at Rage Quit Wire. And then finally, if you want to support us directly, definitely check out Patreon and, uh, and help us keep the lights on. We appreciate any kind of help that people can give us just because, uh, yeah, I mean, podcasts aren't free. And with that being said, I think we'll go ahead and flip cards and flip tables and see you all next time.